yielding. Anybody have to yield this week? I'm telling you, you want a successful week, you want a successful marriage, <laughs> yield. <laughs> what good does it do to stand up and be stubborn and have to have your way? It's, you know, that's what a, that's what a two-year-old child does at Walmart. Y'all ever seen that? You ever seen adults do that? Throw a fit at Walmart? Because they didn't learn it too. Are y'all out there tonight? Amen. We have part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Somebody say amen. We can control ourselves. You may not think you can, but under the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. Say amen. Don't feel like you believe it, but that's all right. I believe it. It's the Word of God. He's given us the power over sin, and it tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. All right. Tonight we're going to look at examples of yielding. If you're a little bit behind, then go and download it. It's free. Download it off the website. Subscribe to our podcast, um, or you can buy a CD in the back. But uh, examples of yielding. If you remember, one of the biggest things we have to do as Christians is bear with one another and bear with one another's weaknesses. You know, we run into people and they've got issues, and instead of identifying their issues and pointing at them and laughing at them, we bear with them and help them through those weaknesses. Wouldn't that be nice if people did that for us? You know what I've learned is that if I will sow that, I will get that. Man, you guys are the quietest I believe I've ever heard you. Do you know what you, you reap what you sow? You want people to bear with you? Bear with them. All right, I'm going to keep going whether you say anything or not. I, uh, I've been, we've been going through FPU, um, Financial Peace University, and I've been listening to the way Dave Ramsey speaks. And he's a professional speaker, speaks all over the world. And when he asks a question, he says, He'll ask a question, then he'll say, say yes, and they'll say yes. And I thought, man, that's what to do. Don't give, a, don't give people a chance to respond or not respond. Make them respond. Then it sounds like they know what you're talking about. Whether you do or not, the speaker feels like you know what they're talking about. Say amen. amen. Thank you. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. First Kings, examples of yielding. Examples of yielding. Biblical examples of yielding. God appears to Solomon in a dream. If you don't know the story, go back and read it. It is wonderful. Um, Solomon, to say this right here is, it, I believe, is one of the definitions of him being one of the wisest men. When he gets asked, what do you want? When he gets asked by God, what do you want? And his response, and he wasn't led in that, I believe he was led by the Holy Spirit, but somebody didn't tell him, hey, if you'll say this, you'll get it all. No, he didn't know. He knew what he needed. As the leader, he knew what he needed. He knew where he fell short. One of the wisest men ever to walk the earth knew that he felt short in wisdom. What does that say to you? It says a lot. He says, what shall I give you? God says in a dream. Think about it. I've thought many times, Lord, what would I ask for? I know what to ask for now. You know, I know what's a good thing to ask for. But what would have, would have I asked for? You know, it really identifies my heart. Does it you? You know what, let's stop and pray just a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to show us your word tonight. 
Holy Spirit, just lead us tonight. Don't let my words be heard tonight, Lord. Let your words be heard tonight, Lord. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our life as it is in heaven. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So God says to him, what do you want? I'll give it to you. If you remember, Solomon did not ask for riches. He did not ask for honor. He did not ask for the lives of his enemies. He asked for wisdom. He said further on in this chapter, verse 9, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Can I tell you, men, this is a great prayer to pray to the Lord over your family. Lord, give me wisdom to lead my family. Wives, a great prayer to pray. Kids, high school students, college students, seniors, baby boomers, all of the above. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. God was pleased with his choice. And look what he said in uh, verse 11. He said, so God said to him, Since you've asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, verse 12, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Verse 13. But even more than that, I will give you what you haven't asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Something just as I read this is that when we hit the heart of God, God pours it all out on us. Do you see how important it is to understand God's ways and do it his way? Do you see what's happened? Solomon caught the heart of God, and now the blessings are about to find him and overtake him. He didn't have to go looking for it. He didn't have to go looking for for it. So you know what happens just shortly after. Solomon gets tested in his wisdom. Two women come come to Solomon. These two women are harlots, and they're living together in one house. And each of them had a baby. They'd just given birth to a baby. And they had their babies in bed with them. And in the middle of the night, one of the women rolled over on top of their baby and killed it. And in the morning, there were two mothers and only one baby. And both of the mothers wanted the alive baby. Both the real mother and the mother whose baby had died claimed the baby. So this case was brought before Solomon. These two women in court and one baby. And Solomon heard the case out. And the real mother said, it's my baby. And the other woman said, no, it's my baby. So do you remember what Solomon did? Solomon called for a sword. He said, we'll fix this. We'll make it fair. Let's divide the baby in half will cut the baby in half, and each of you can have a half. The woman whom the baby did not belong to, do you remember what she said? She said, that's fine, give me my half. But the real mother didn't want to see her baby die, so she said, no, 
let her have the baby and let the baby live. And in this wisdom, Solomon was able to identify the true mother who wasn't willing to let the baby die. And as a result, Solomon's wisdom was known throughout all of Israel, throughout the world. But the lesson is real simple here that I'm trying to get to. If the baby is really yours, rather than see it die, you will let the other woman have it. Now what am I saying? It's a real test. So many Christians today, in their service, in their ministry, a man brings forth something, something that is his, something that he claims and contests that's his. And there's an argument and a fight. And we can go through all of history of when men have fought over what they think is theirs. Case after case, and the test comes. If the child is yours, would you rather see it killed or stay alive? There are times when we're put to that test. Do I want to lay claim to my ministry and to my success? Do I want to establish my reputation? Or am I prepared to let somebody else have all that I've worked for, all that I've achieved, all that I've prayed through? It depends on whether you love yourself more than you love the baby or the baby more than yourself. The next time you're faced with that decision, let me tell you, I see marriages tear because the man is more concerned about what they have to have. I see marriages break because the woman believes she has to have what she has to have. And she's not willing to let go of the baby. What's most precious to them? I just use the woman, the man, whatever, use it, use it however. If you're willing to let it die, if you're willing to let it go in order for it to live, you know what? It's, it's yours. It's good. You've got the right heart toward it. If you would rather somebody, if you'd rather see it dry up and die than anybody else take it on, then you're messed up. Can you follow me at all? Can you see the things that we hang on to? I'm going to give you some examples. It measures how real your love is. It measures how much you love your wife or your spouse. You know, there are so many times in my marriage that I have to yield in a godly way. I don't mean that I am a punching bag, that I'm someone to be abused verbally nor physically. Now, that's not right. But there are times when I've got to give up what I want in order to let the baby live. Or I could stand strong and let the baby die. Even in ministry. So many times we begin a ministry and we think it's ours. We even want to take ownership of it. And then the Lord calls somebody else. And we want to grab hold of it, maybe even see it drop and die. It's wrong. We do it in our marriage, we do it in our job. We do it in our relationships. We've got to be able to yield. If we look at the story of Abraham, the 13th chapter of Genesis, Abraham had started out from Ur of the Chaldees in obedience to the word of God, but he wasn't in full obedience. I want to show you something here maybe you haven't seen. Maybe you have. Genesis chapter 12. Do you remember the story when God said, Pack all your stuff up, Abram. Pack all your stuff up. It's time to leave. 
I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything. He said, go from your country, from your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. Now, who is he supposed to leave? He's supposed to take his family, but he's supposed to leave everyone else. Go away from your people. That means all the friends and the buddies you like hanging out with, right? People at church, people at work, your neighbors, and your father's household, meaning your extended family. I'm trying to get you out from under that roof and go to where I'm calling you, Abraham, to go, right? And he goes. But it wasn't in full obedience. Do you know why? Because he took a couple people with him. He took his father with him, and he took his nephew with him. He took Lot with him, and he took dad. And he was not authorized to take either. As long as he had his father with him, Abraham was only able to get halfway there. He wasn't able to get where God had called him to go. He got to Haran, which is halfway between Ur and Canaan. He couldn't get any any farther until his father died. And many of us are like that. God says, I'm calling you out. Leave everything behind. I will show you your inheritance. But we take daddy along. And you know what? Daddy may be a well-paying career. Daddy may be a, 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 a pension fund. What could daddy be in your life? What, what have you not letting go of that God has said to let go? But at any rate, God says, as long as you take your daddy, you're only going to get halfway there. And that's how it was with Abraham. He was Abram at that time. He couldn't get into Canaan as long as he had his father with him. And if you go to Acts chapter 7, Stephen talks about, talks exactly about this. He says uh, in Acts 7 verse 4, he talks about after his father died, after his father died, he moved into the promised land. You see, sometimes we've got baggage that we can't get rid of and we just, you know, we think, God, I'm following your word. I'm following your word. Wait a minute. You missed one little part. Now, you're going to see God still blessed him. God was still with Abraham. I'm going to show you right here because Lot comes into play. But even when dad left, he still had a problem with Lot. There's Lot. Lot Lot won't leave me. You ever have somebody like that? You turn around, there they are. Man, what are you doing? Don't you go back home? No, I want to come with you. Well, okay, come on. Make me feel better better to have somebody around. But here's Lot. He shouldn't have been there. But it wasn't long before Abraham and Lot, they got kind of settled and God started to prosper them. If you go and read this story back in Genesis, you'll see that they got so big they, couldn't, they ran out of space. And their herdsmen started arguing and bickering and not getting along. And it was evident they needed to split up. They acquired so much cattle and goods that they couldn't live side by side any long because there was strife in the camp. And in Genesis 13, verse 7, look what it says here. It says, and quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. It's his people. His people are fighting. And the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any of this quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Verse 9. It's not the whole land, is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. 
If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you remember, now if we can go back real quick, who had the authority to move? Abraham. Abraham was the one called to leave, not Lot, right? Abraham was the one that had the promise. Abraham was the one that had God at his side calling him to go out and to leave his family. Well, Lot came along. They get, they get going. They're, they're doing well. They're prospering. Abraham recognizes something's not right. We need to split up. I don't even know that he had had the revelation of, wait a minute, God had really said not to take anybody. I think he just knew, we're not getting along. You go one way, I'll go the other. Who's the one that yielded? Abraham. Who's the one that had the right to it all? Abraham. But Abraham said, look, Lot, you pick and I'll take the other. If you want the left, I'll take the right. If you want the right, I'll take the left. Do you see that even here, as he had kind of missed it in obedience, at a fraction, I'm not saying Abraham completely missed it, but Lot shouldn't have been there, but still Abraham yielded. Bless you. There's a fight. One yields. How many times in a marriage, if someone will just yield, you'll get through it. If you, if you don't, there will be damage. There will be permanent damage. So Abraham says, you go one way, I'll go the other. You pick which way you want to go. Abraham was the senior. He was the man of God God had called. He was the man to whom the inheritance belonged. But he stood back and said, Lot, make your choice. Whichever one you choose, you can have. Have you ever um, split a roll? You remember when you were sitting around your parents' table and you only had so many rolls left and you had to split one? And you'd split it and you'd be going, ooh, that one definitely looks better. I was always taught, give up the better one. Just don't even question it. Give it up. I never liked that teaching. But it was, it was scriptural teaching. It was yielding. I think even better is let the other person choose. Let the other person choose. It's such a good thing when, when two kids' hearts right that they tear it, they know which one's the best one. They let the other one choose, and the other one chooses the small one on purpose. I love that. I hate it when the one chooses the big one because they're in it for them. Be in it for the other person. Yield. Are you all with me? I'm almost done. I'm going to get done on time if you don't believe that. You can choose. Verse 10. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you can just get this in mind, can you imagine looking at one field, and it looks decent, looking at the other, and there's just waterfalls and rainbows and birds chirping, and everything looked great. You know what? I would encourage you, don't judge the book by its cover. If you ever needed the Holy Spirit to lead you, it's when things look good. <laughs> when they look bad, we certainly go after the Holy Spirit. I usually don't forget to seek after the Holy Spirit when things are bad. It's when things are good that I sometimes forget to seek Him. 
And Lot looks by his own eye and makes a decision here. You know what? Abraham, that one looks pretty good. So look what he says. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Verse 12, Abraham, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, where Lot lived among the cities of the plains and, plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Remember what happened to Sodom? It's not good. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and they were sinning greatly against the Lord. That was then. I think Lot could have figured that out if he had just gone and looked. Well, give me a day or two, uh, Abram, and let me go look. No, that one looks good. I'll take that. But if you continue reading, verse 14, look what happens. Remember, Abram yielded. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that I see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. That was his inheritance. Now, they've just made the deal. But God immediately said, wait a minute, Abram, Abram, that's not the deal. Let me tell you what the deal is. You have a yielding heart. You know it says that Abraham had faith. Abraham had keyed into God's way. And Abraham gave up what was rightfully his in order to have peace. In order to move on, because Abram knew the way things were going, he could not fulfill God's call. We're not getting along. Go away. I've got to get this right. So you can have what you see. You know what God said? Man, you nailed it again, Abram. You see where Lot's going? Look all the way around you. That's your inheritance. All of it. I'm going to give it all to you. That was his inheritance. As long as you hold on and say, that's mine. My son has this expression. He walks around and goes, that's mine. Like a five-year-old. Isn't that what kids say? Mine. My kids would go, mine. And you know who's the best at saying that? Rob, maybe you can, you can attest to this. The baby. The baby knows how to cry when something's getting taken away from them. Because everybody runs to the baby. Mine. We learn that early. Mine. I'm not letting go. When you have that attitude, you won't see what God's got for you. You've got to let go. It's a yielding spirit that receives the inheritance, not a grasping or grabbing spirit. As long as you continue to say, it's mine, and you can't have it, God gave it to me, you won't have what God has for you. You've got to yield. The lesson is this, you've got to be willing to let go. I tell men every single week, you want your marriage to be great? Men, do your part. Quit worrying about your wife doing their part. Do your part. You know what part that is? Give. So. Love, quit demanding your way. What is she looking for? Meet that need. Start meeting her need. I love the five love languages. Start filling her love tank. Fill it, I promise you, she'll fill yours. But your love tank's empty and so is hers. And you're begging her to fill yours and she's begging you to fill theirs. Well, who will yield? Men, you. Quit waiting for the wife to do it. You do it. 
in your job, yield. Yield. God is going, you know, you know who God blesses? He gives grace to the humble. We got to yield. We've got to yield. We may say it's unfair, it's unreasonable, it's unjust. So what? Do you want your inheritance? Now, I'm not telling you to go and be a punching bag. I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship. No, that's wrong. But I'm telling you where you can yield, you need to yield. And I want to encourage you, yield to God. Yield to God. God, I've had a couple of the best. Um, it, has, it has been a, a very difficult week with people coming with very humongous struggles. But I believe at every, every instant, the Lord met us and gave us the way out. Every time. If you will yield yourself, people that come into my office to tell me what kind of problems they're going through, you know what they're doing? They're yielding to God and saying, I can't do this on my own. Okay. I don't have all the answers either, but God does. Let's go. Let's get in the Word. Let's pray together. Let's talk amongst each other. Let's weigh it up against what God says, and let's come up with a plan. God's got a plan. God's got a plan for you, and it includes you yielding. You know what a person that doesn't yield does? Has a wreck, has a fatal wreck, ruins people's future. Well, I point out here because you've got to yield to get on 111. You'd better. We've had, we've had deaths occur at this intersection down here. You gotta yield. Let the other person go and get going with what God's called you to do. Amen. Stand up with me and let's pray. We're not done. We're still we're still knee deep in yielding. You're gonna keep on going. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come under your authority, we come under your word. Lord, we come under the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray for each and every one here right now, Lord, that we would just yield to your spirit and that we would listen to what you're saying. Lord, that we would get in your word and we would yield to your word. Lord, that we would get in our relationships and, Lord, where we can, that we wouldn't be stubborn and hard-hearted, but that we would give and we would yield. Lord, bless our relationships. Bless our friendships. Lord, bless our marriages. I just pray right now for, for seeds of yielding to be released into the marriages of this church. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord, I just pray for a good rest of the week. We just pray for sunshine and warm weather and springtime. And Lord, the grass to start growing. And Lord, for life, springtime is a time of life and color and joy. Lord, that's our inheritance life, and joy. Bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.